Hello and welcome to this GBM Media Podcast. You're about to hear Serving Today, a programme for pastors and church leaders. If you're involved in any form of Bible teaching, be that one-to-one or in small or larger groups, Serving Today will be relevant for you. Welcome to Serving Today, the programme for the leaders in God's church. This is Andrew Cook. It's wonderful that you could join us. The Son of Man, we discover another name of Christ with Derek French. And more on witches and mediums in the Spirit World series. We begin here on Serving Today with the series in which Derek French explains the meaning and significance of the names of Christ which are found in the Bible. So I'll hand over to Derek. The title of Christ we're going to look at now is The Son of Man. It occurs at least 78 times in the Gospels alone and was used by Jesus himself most of all. Its first appearance in the pages of the New Testament is when Jesus spoke to a scribe who promised he would follow Jesus wherever he went. Jesus replied in Matthew chapter 8 verse 20, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. The origin of this title for the Messiah is found in Daniel chapter 7, verses 13 and 14, where we read, I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven there came one like a son of man. And he came to the Ancient of Days, and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom, that all peoples, nations and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away, and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. The fact that he would come with the clouds of heaven speaks of one who had a heavenly origin, and therefore was eternal himself. And he was given an eternal kingdom that would never end, and whose dominion is also everlasting and over all. Indeed, all nations would serve him as their king in his eternal kingdom. Referring to this, Jesus himself told the high priests in Matthew 26, verses 64 to 66, I tell you, from now on, you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest tore his robes and said, He has uttered blasphemy. What further witnesses do we need? You have heard his blasphemy. What is your judgment? They answered, He deserves death. Those priests knew immediately Jesus was making claim to be that eternal world ruler. It was a clear claim to his deity. So while this title deliberately reminds us of the reality of his human nature, it also identifies him as the one with divine honours to which Daniel 7 refers. By examining the many passages where this title Son of Man occurs in the Gospels, a number of emphases come to the fore, and we shall limit ourselves to two areas. The first is the Saviour's humiliation. He had humbled himself and stepped down from the glory of heaven to this earth and became a genuine man. This humility is seen, for example, in that he had no permanent home on earth. We've already noted that the Son of Man had nowhere to lay his head. Also, and perhaps particularly, he was going to endure indescribable suffering. Jesus declared in Matthew 17 verse 12, The Son of Man will certainly suffer at their hands. Further, he would be betrayed and put to death. Matthew 26 and verse 24, Jesus said, The Son of Man goes as it is written of him, but woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been better for that man if he had not been born. 
and he would endure all of this in order to forgive sinners, as we read in Matthew 9, verse 6, on the occasion of the healing of the paralysed man. Jesus said, But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Then he said to the paralytic, Rise, pick up your bed, and go home. Then secondly, by calling himself the Son of Man, Jesus was declaring his deity. This is seen in that he is the glorious King and Judge of all the earth, who is going to return to establish God's kingdom in all its fullness and glory in the new heavens and the new earth. Referring to his return to judge the earth, Jesus said in Matthew 25 verses 31 and 32, When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate people one from another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And similarly, after his arrest, and he was being questioned by the Jews, we read in Matthew 26, verses 63 and 64, Jesus remained silent. And the high priest said to him, I adjure you by the living God, tell us if you are the Christ, the Son of God. Jesus said to him, You have said so. But I tell you, from now on you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven. We can see that Jesus was much more than an ordinary man. Indeed, he was the greatest of men and much more. He is at the same time both a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief and the Lord of glory. For example, he was Lord of the Sabbath, had authority to forgive sins and came with the definite purpose of giving his life as a ransom for many and to seek and to save the lost. His name, Son of Man, directs our attention to these two things about him, namely his humiliation and his exaltation. One commentator also suggests this title was not the nationalistic messiah of Jewish expectation, but the saviour of the world, as he calls all men everywhere to come to him. He is unique among men, the Son of Man, who, as the Man of Sorrows, walked the path of unimaginable suffering on the cross, and that same path also led him to the crown and glory. The Bible commentator Stuart Olliot has written, When all human kingdoms have gone, the man who is God will still be reigning. That glory will be seen by all when he returns, because he is always the glorious Son of Man. What a wonderful Saviour is Jesus our Lord. Well, in our previous programme, Graham Jones, who's helping us with the spirit world, took us to the story of King Saul consulting a medium. That's in 1 Samuel chapter 28. To refresh our memory about what we heard, here's a quick reminder from last time here on Serving Today. It is sinful to cut yourself off from God's word. It is sinful to consult the dead. And thirdly, this story also teaches us that it's sinful to consult a medium or a witch. So those were the negative lessons to take from the story of Saul and the witch of Endor, but there are also positive lessons to learn. Here's Graham again. Believers must listen to God and not to Satan. God, through Samuel, tells Saul the truth about his disobedience. But Saul does not seek God in repentance. Saul does not ask for God's mercy. 
Saul is in fellowship with Satan and his witch, rather than the living God. We see the same warnings in the New Testament. In the book of Acts, Simon the sorcerer is condemned by Peter in Acts chapter 8. On Paul's first missionary journey in Acts chapter 13, we see Elymas the sorcerer opposing Paul. Paul calls him a child of the devil. Idolatry and witchcraft are condemned among other sins in Galatians chapter 5, verse 20. And so believers should not listen to Satan. Christians must have nothing to do with witchcraft and sorcery. What's the next lesson we need to learn from the story of Saul and the witch of Endor? Secondly, we see that believers must listen to God's word. Saul had had the benefit for many years of hearing the word of God from Samuel the prophet. But slowly by slowly, Saul has turned a deaf ear to obeying God's word. God has given us his word, the Bible, and has given us those who faithfully teach the Bible. Are we reading God's word with a heart ready to obey? Saul is a warning to us. If we keep ignoring God's word, we will come under God's judgment. This judgment includes God no longer speaking to our inner ear through his word. God speaks to us through the Bible, and it's the Holy Spirit who helps us to know God speaking to us through the Bible. Today, God does not normally speak to us in dreams or by prophets because he's given us his word, the Bible. And what's the final lesson for us here? Lastly, we learn that believers must listen to God's Son, Jesus Christ. In the New Testament, in Mark chapter 9, verses 1 to 8, we have the account of when Jesus is seen in his glory. This was on the Mount of Transfiguration. Moses and Elijah appear and they talk with Jesus. Notice Jesus did not ask for them to come. Jesus did not bring them up. God sent them. And notice it is Jesus who is the centre of attention, who is transfigured in dazzling white before Peter, James and John. It is not Moses and Elijah who are in glorious clothing. And notice too the disciples do not speak to Moses and Elijah. And Moses and Elijah do not speak to the disciples. The disciples only speak to Jesus. It is very different than Saul trying to speak to Samuel after he has died. And then in Mark chapter 9 verse 7, we read that God the Father spoke from the cloud. This is my son whom I love. Listen to him. The message did not come from Moses and Elijah. It came from God the Father. Jesus is not just a teacher or a prophet. Jesus is the Son of God. He is the one we should listen to. We have the message of Jesus in the Bible. God says, listen to him. We must not consult the living dead or the spirit world. We must not listen to them. We listen only to Jesus and read his word. 
This is how we know God is speaking to us. As we close, let us remember the warning from Saul consulting the witch at Endor. We must not listen to Satan. We're told about Saul in 1 Chronicles chapter 10, verses 13 and 14. Saul died because he was unfaithful to the Lord. He did not keep the word of the Lord and even consulted a medium for guidance and did not inquire of the Lord. So the Lord put him to death and turned the kingdom over to David, son of Jesse. But let us also remember the words of God, the Father from heaven, about Jesus Christ in Mark chapter 9, verse 7. This is my Son, whom I love. Listen to him. We must only listen to Jesus. Indeed we must. Our thanks to Graham Jones for helping us to see what the Bible teaches about witches and mediums. If you have any questions about this, then you can reach us with the contact details that you will hear in just a few moments. And that brings our time together to a close here on Serving Today. So this is Andrew Cook saying goodbye. May we encourage others to listen only to Jesus Christ. That was Serving Today, a podcast from the Grace Baptist Mission radio team. To get in touch, you can email us. The address is servingtoday at gbm.org.uk or find us on Twitter at servingtodaygbm. You can also search our back catalogue from our webpage www.gbm.org.uk forward slash radio. Thanks for listening and goodbye.